0: Hi, I'm Mickey
1: Lowe. Hi, I'm Bishop Todd. And welcome to the C4SO Podcast. Podcast. Mickey, hello.
0: Hey, Bishop Todd. How is uh, your Lenten journey treating you?
1: A highlight of it is being with y'all once a week. See, I learned to say y'all in Tennessee. Okay. 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 Here's a true story, keeping it real. All right. Yesterday, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon, and I was feeling a little emotional, needy, you know, a little emotionally needy, (laughs) a little emotionally tired, and also just needing that afternoon kick where Uh normally I would go in our break room and find some chocolate. Okay. I thought, oh no, Lent is kicking in. I can't medicate myself with chocolate. I actually Mm. have to deal with God and my soul. So there you go. That's how my (laughs) Lent's going.
0: Nice. Awesome.
1: (laughs) So I was forced into it.
0: So, have you like officially given up chocolate or like no? I just at gave all? up
1: everything sweet as much Dang. as possible. Everything sweet. Oh, so, that man. meant you know, Starbucks drinks and stuff. So oh, it's all man. good though.
0: Well, Sundays are feast days, so you can always yeah, I know it. get your love your those fix. Sundays. Yeah, yeah. I gave up TikTok.
1: Oh, so. okay. I just watch videos. I'm strolling.
0: Yeah, I I noticed that it was, uh, I was excusing myself. I, I'd be like, oh, you know, like I've had a long day of serving the Lord and serving God's people. Like I deserve to just sit here and mindlessly scroll yeah. on TikTok <laughs> for hours. And I'm like, I don't think that's healthy. I was like justifying it like, oh, it's fine. So I was like, you know what? I think I need to give this up for Lent. So I never make videos. I just watch them. Yeah, I just like yeah. watching tutorials on like uh-huh. bread making and animal TikToks. Yeah. So Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, uh, and I have not downloaded TikTok on Sundays. I've been pretty like, fe- I've been feasting in other ways on Sundays, yeah. but I haven't even touched it. So, nice. so far, so good.
1: Well, you're throwing me off a little bit today because you're you're in a different background. So, you're you're I somewhere am. different than you normally are. And we're yes. going to throw our listeners off a little bit today because we got two guests.
0: We do have two guests. Just throwing people off all over the place. We have Markeen Meyer, and we have Peter White joining us, and we are talking about contemplative practices for Lent.
1: Yeah, Markeen is Trinity Lakeside in suburban Dallas, and Peter uh, is the Abbey in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I don't know about you, Mickey, but I wrote down on our show notes these three words, quieted, still, and slow. Mm -hmm. I loved how Peter and Markeen led us into like what Lenten practices could affect in our souls.
0: Mm -hmm. It's super helpful. And I think it's a very important uh, topic to discuss, especially for those of us who are living super busy lives, especially those who are in ministry or are members of the clergy. Um, It is so important to have practices in place, I think, um, to slow us down and be still before the Lord and Lent gives us a really great opportunity to kind of kickstart those practices if we haven't done that yet. And the idea is to keep going. Yeah. So when Lent is over, the goal is to continue in these uh, contemplative practices. But this season kind of gives us a chance to start that. So I'm really grateful for this conversation.
1: Yeah, I am too. So here you go, c 4 This is Marquine Meyer and Peter White.
0: Well, Markeen and Peter, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We're so excited to get the chance to chit chat with you both. But before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of this conversation, we just wanted to give our listeners the chance to get to know you a little bit. So why don't we have you guys let us know kind of where you're located, so your major city and maybe a hidden gem within your city so that if any of us uh, are in your area, where we should go. So Markeen, why don't we start with you?
2: Oh, thank you, Mickey. Um, We are in a little town called Double Oak, which is in a big metroplex, Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex in North Texas. And, you know, for me, the hidden gems would have to be several large lakes near us. And there are beautiful walking trails uh, along these lakes and for me in the middle of this city those are the hidden gems that i love to go explore
1: Mm, that's awesome lovely see mickey i had like a coffee shop in mind and (laughs) yeah this is great though and marquine busts out something beautiful like a a lake seems (laughs) on on
0: brand yes yeah no that's wonderful All right. So, Peter, what about you?
3: Um, Okay. So I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I've lived here for most of my life. And let's see, a hidden gem. Okay. So there's a a place to eat not far from my house called Waffle Bat, and their specialty Mm -hmm. is chicken and waffles. Mm. And um, and, So, yeah, that's a good spot. I'd take you there if you came to visit.
1: Oh, nice waffle cool. bat! You said, bat. <laughs> "Yeah, oh, that's chicken and waffles." There you yeah, go. I like
0: that. So, Markeen, do you have a favorite restaurant where you're close to where you're
2: at? Uh, you know, my daughter and I tend to go to a place called Giro's. It's an Italian uh, restaurant not too far from Ooh. us. Um, and the couple that owns it, he grew up in Italy, so he's uh, mm. cooking his mom's recipes. So oh, nice. it's oh, pretty you know it's good, good stuff. Yeah.
1: Ooh, there you go. That's how you know it's good. Well, some of our listeners may not be aware of Peter and Markeen and why they're showing up on this podcast with us together. We have a new initiative in Churches for the Sake of Others that we're calling missional innovation, for lack of a better term. The United Kingdom, it was called Fresh Expressions. There's actually a Fresh Expressions version in America as well. One of the leaders and practitioners in that movement is uh, a guy called J.R. Roscoe, who's a priest in C4SO. Uh, JR did his d in Missiology at Fuller and has just been kind of in these Fresh Expressions uh, world for a very long time now. And so Markeen and Peter are representatives of this new body of work that's being done in C4SO where we're planting things that don't look and smell like sort of regular publicly worshiping Sunday morning churches. They're a little different, sometimes called contemplative communities, sometimes called missional communities, sometimes called missional contemplative communities, and uh, (laughs) lots of different iterations. And so what we're doing on today's podcast is bringing together practices of these communities and exploring a bit how that might work with Lent. So Mickey, I know you've been thinking about this. Tell us what you've been thinking
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I wanted to give both of you the chance to kind of talk about your communities and the work that you all do and give our listeners kind of an insight of what these communities look like. But maybe a good starting question, and I'd love to start with you, Marquine, is what is a a contemplative community. How would you describe that in your own words?
2: You know, for us, um, we are a community of people who are drawn to the more contemplative side of the spiritual life. Both contemplation and activism are important to a full life with God. But I think in our particular community, we're especially drawn to those uh, practices like prayer and worship, silence and solitude that help us to just be with God and enjoy. His presence and notice the ways that he's active and involved in our life. And we love to share those practices with people. We host retreats here and we offer spiritual direction. We worship and pray and care for souls together as a community.
1: So, Peter, if we think about your community there in Tulsa, First of all, how would you describe it if, you know, you meet somebody at a coffee shop and they ask you, hey, Peter, what are you up to? And then tell everybody, what was a bit of your process for starting what you started rather than, again, kind of a a normal or typical church plant?
3: such a good question. I think for us, it has felt like following breadcrumbs for Mm. quite some time of just saying one simple yes to God one day at a time. We moved into this neighborhood about six years ago, and and I'd been— thinking about church planting that had been on my periphery for maybe 10 years and then asking questions around my neighborhood and the denomination I was part of at that time. And then the doors just never opened up the way Mm -hmm. that I thought they might. Yeah. And now here we are. Um, I had started uh, a spiritual direction practice about seven years ago. And then two years ago, started having conversations with my neighbor about taking their house and turning it into a retreat space uh which we opened and then in april 21 and just in the midst of you know where all of us were in april of 21 and the months prior to that of i was just realizing we all are carrying these levels of exhaustion and burnout and stress and depression in ways that we have never been trained how to like cope with these or digest these you know heavy things that we feel and so the abbey the heights which is the name of our retreat space was really the design of that was to help people um, engage in some practices of silence and stillness and solitude as a means of digesting some of these really heavy things that we're all experiencing. And over the last two years, that has led to some conversations with a number of people coming to me asking, what do you do for church? Because we don't feel like we fit in anywhere, just in after the pandemic and all the layers of things that right. dominoed with that. And that was not just one conversation, but several with different people, and it just came to a point of like, well, what if we just gathered together and had, uh, you know, did the simple Eucharist service together? So last summer, I had the opportunity to, to visit Markeen and see what she was doing in, in Dallas, and that really helped my wife and I kind of crystallize a vision of yeah, and think yeah, we could we could do this with the Abbey and make that kind of a, yeah. a centerpiece of kind of the heartbeat of everything that happens here.
1: So before Mickey gets us into the intersection of what you guys are doing in Lent, I have a feeling listeners are wondering, what is the relationship between contemplative communities and contemplative practices and actions? Like Some people are probably aware of Richard Rohr's uh, Center, I think it is, for Contemplation and Action and other things like that. Um, How do you find yourselves talking to the members of your community about the interaction between those two things? Markeen, what do you think?
2: The way that I've learned to think of it is um, the same as the idea of breathing in and breathing out. I think of contemplation as that part of breathing in where we're just enjoying God's presence. We're praying, we're listening and noticing the way that his spirit is moving in our life. And then activism is the breathing out piece of that. After we've spent that time with God, we've been renewed by his spirit and his presence then we can act in a way that's um, in accordance with that.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of some of the most beautiful language I've ever heard For this came from Elizabeth O'Connor at Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. She has a book by this title of Journey Inward, Journey Outward and uh, how those things work together in in one whole life. Peter, how do you find yourself expressing that? uh, Especially I'm thinking of like burned out Christians who are tired of the activism around church and all that. Yeah. How do you find yourself reengaging with people to have this holistic vision of a journey inward, journey outward?
3: To me, the, one of the, the key words is healing, is that everything that we're doing is to bring about both God's healing in us, but God's healing in the whole world. And, mm. and specifically, I mean, sometimes when you say the whole world, that sounds really generic. And so it just, we don't have, you know, we can't hold on to it. And so thinking about, well, what does healing in our neighborhood look like? and mm-hmm. healing among each of the houses on the street and the people that live there. Yeah. Um, you know, we our, our neighborhood is a historic neighborhood, and so over the last 30, 40 years, there's been a lot of investment in restoring old houses that have been falling down. And that's such a, a metaphor, oh, nice. I think, for what God is doing, yeah. both in us personally, individually, but also like corporately as a community where things have we imagine like sin and death has just vandalized God's good world, but God is putting it all back together again. Yeah. Um, so this idea of Shalom, is kind of this hmm. centerpiece that is our work is spiraling, spiraling into that place of God's Shalom, but then spiraling back out into the world and restoring God's good world again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you both.
0: So this is a question for both of you in terms of thinking of the season of Lent that we've been journeying together in. What would you say is your vision for the intersection of contemplation and Lent? So kind of the season that we're in, uh, a huge part of that is uh, contemplation. It's meditating on scripture. It's uh, repenting and and it's uh, turning toward the Lord. So what do both of you see in this intersection between contemplation and Lent, and what are some maybe practices that your community is partaking in during this time?
2: Uh, Lent is such an opportunity. I was thinking about it this morning. Just culturally, we sort of have a practice at the end or beginning of each year. We do some extra reflection and thought, kind of looking back at the year previous, looking ahead at the new year. And in a way, Lent is kind of that annual opportunity that we have in the church year to reflect and pay attention more in relation to our relationship with God and maybe just noticing that ways that we may have drifted in our love for Him in some ways. And so there is a lot of contemplation in the season of Lent. And um, for us as a community, we have been, um, for this year, we're practicing the three traditional practices of prayer, fasting, and generosity and um, one right. of the things that I just taught our community last week, we meet online once a week for evening prayer. And I was teaching them a practice that Henry Nowen shared. And um, he had said that um, when he reads the gospel passage for the day, he has a practice of noticing what image of Christ is present in that passage. You know, and it could be anything, it could be the Good Shepherd, it could be. Christ who speaks truth to power or um, Christ in his compassion, or he'll notice kind of what aspect of Jesus' character that's present in that gospel reading, and then that will be his icon of contemplation for the day. And so that's just a very simple thing that we can do, but it's just a beautiful way to get in touch with Christ um, and, and his presence in our day.
0: Mm, I love that. Peter, what about you guys?
3: We have a, a room in the house that's a prayer room with a number of prayer stations in it mm-hmm. that are available for people to use while they're here. And I had a um, a house church community that meets down the street from us that approached me about using that prayer room every day during Lent. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. Come on and use the space. And so then I asked them, well, are you doing anything for Ash Wednesday? Because we hadn't put any plans together yet. And they were like, well, no, we haven't. Have some liturgies and, you know, that we could maybe collaborate together. And they're like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. So I showed them the book of common prayer. They thought, Oh yeah, that's perfect. We don't need to improve on that any. And so they came and used the space and we did an Ash Wednesday service, just, you know, straight through the the liturgy there in the book of common prayer. And it was, it was pretty clear that they'd never seen anything like that or done anything Mm -hmm. like that. But there's something about that ritual of ashes and touching someone's forehead and really in a way and saying you're going to die. Yeah. Um, That was really meaningful for all of us that were present for that. And there's, there's something about those rituals that I think are really important for Lent.
0: Agreed. I feel like our Ash Wednesday services are always uh, meaningful in that way too, to a lot of the folks in our congregation, but also to a lot of folks who are not a part of a congregation. Um, When we have kind of weeknight services like that, or when we offer evening prayer, that gives other people who support us, because we're still a church plant here at Trinity, it gives them the opportunity to see what we're doing and be a part of our services. If they even if they can't make it on Sunday mornings, and people are just blown away by these practices, uh, you know these historic uh, liturgical uh, services that we have, and they're just kind of blown away by the meaning behind it and the reminder and and how jarring it is compared to a world that doesn't see things the way that we do, um, or approach death the way that we do. So, um, yeah, Yeah. they're such powerful, powerful tools for discipleship. I think. Yeah.
3: I think that Lent particularly lends itself to talking about grief and grieving the way that the world is and that God Mm. grieves over it. And I was reading a book about grief this past year and the author made a comment that our bodies don't speak English and Mm. therefore we need physical rituals and so, sort of like Ash Wednesday, I think, particularly speaks to that. Yeah, past, our having to think about things or process things, but just our body is physically doing something in this. Right. So, so,
1: so Marquine, if I'm remembering correctly, you're a spiritual director, right? Yes. And I know that for years before that, you practiced it yourself. So, um, thinking about just the, the basic practices um, or the basic experience of spiritual direction, You know, somebody being with us, with God, trying to help us see what God's doing in our life. Um, How do you see the season of Lent maybe doing a similar thing to us, like almost Lent, the thing, almost being like the spiritual direction, a person, spiritual director, a person in our life, helping us to draw near to God, giving us the ability to find the kind of renewal or direction we might be looking to. I just thought that was a, a, hmm. an interesting analogy of Lent, the thing, almost like <laughs> uh, spiritual direction, the person.
2: Yeah, Lent is such an opportunity for us. Um, we had a, a Lent retreat a couple of weeks ago. And um, one, of, well, one of the practices that we did was to meditate on a particular piece of visual art that um, – Really caught my heart. And I invited people to pay attention to this. It's by an artist named Anton Mironov, just an incredible um, realist artist, present day artist. And it was a moment. It was the moment when um, Judas betrayed Jesus. And there was just so much power there and there was so much rich theology in the way that this artist had portrayed it. That's why I was so captivated by it, because I felt like it was so theologically rich. One of my concerns, though, in praying and writing this retreat and putting it together was that people would get stuck in a place of despair. I mean, I don't often ask them to contemplate a, a moment such as that in scripture And my concern and prayer for them was that they were able to honestly reflect and consider the things that were going on in their own soul, but with a healthy um, perspective on who God is and how he looks at those ways that we fall short, because he's not sitting up there wagging his finger, telling us, you know, with this long list of all the wrong things that we've done, he's looking at us with grace and eagerness, ready to forgive us. And so... Um, my prayer is for um, any person who's walking through spiritual direction, whether it's in the season of Lent or otherwise, that they're able to honestly pay attention to their soul and what's going on with them, but with mm. a healthy understanding of God and his graciousness and love for us. Um, and that's just part of the role that I get to play in helping them pay attention in spiritual direction.
1: Yeah, it seems, Marquine, like Lent. Can either be something like really just surfacey and almost like culturally religious, or as Peter was saying, there can be really appropriate forms of recognizing truth and lament. But -hmm. we don't want people kind of get going so I don't know what the right word is here is so deep, so dark, or something that, like you said, they somehow lose the grace and love of God. There's no grace or joy. Yes,
2: yes, yeah. To have the courage to honestly pay attention. But to do that in the light of God's goodness and his graciousness and his mercy, and that that's the what can be a very beautiful thing about Lent yeah. um, not to fall into a dark place of beating yourself up for your shortcomings, but to realize that there's grace and there's help and there's hope for those things. that's the mm. the good news yeah. of the gospel
1: yeah, i I'll just say for myself, I have rich, long experience to know that beating myself up never fixed anything. <laughs> it's so funny we all we all mm-hmm. or m- many yes. of us do it i guess maybe yes. we all don't do it but if you you only have to stop and think about it for a second to know that marquine's right that it actually never fixes anything i don't know what no. it does but it doesn't actually fix anything
2: no
4: hi i'm brian wallace i'm a c4so priest and the executive director for the fuller center for spiritual formation In this past season bishop todd's noticed that a lot of us in c4so are just tired we are in need of spiritual healing and restoration so he's asked me to offer a free and optional retreat day before the start of this year's clergy conference coming up in may i've had the joy of leading seven of these retreats in cities all around the u.s they've been times to attend to the hurts trauma and losses so many of us have experienced in these past few years They've been a chance to lean into the restoring work of Christ and live into his ongoing healing. We have planned a relaxed day where you'll have time for guided personal reflection, worship, one-on-one spiritual direction, and healing prayer. Would you join us? It's May the 3rd, Wednesday, from 8.30 to 2 p.m., and it's at the site of this year's clergy conference at Christchurch Overland Park. Breakfast and lunch are provided, and again, it's a free resource provided to us by Bishop Todd. The clergy conference starts at 4 p.m. So we'll have plenty of time, a couple hours, to relax between the pre-conference and the conference start. If you're walking through a tough season or just feeling weary, I hope you'll make time for this special moment of hope, healing, and restoration. God bless you.
0: So, Peter, a question for you regarding kind of the, the Lenten practices, if you will, um, that often lead to simplicity, to simplifying life. Um, And this is a very deeply spiritual uh, Christian practice, um, to to simplify life and taking a step back and and living slower and going at the pace that the Lord is going. And In terms of the Christian faith, why do you think that simplicity is important to one's soul and our, our own soul care?
3: I think it's important because our lives can get really cluttered without us even realizing it
2: mm-hmm. and we
3: wake up one day and we realize how did how did all of this stuff get here you know it makes me think of the talking head song from 40 years ago um how did i get here and and so it's an opportunity to pause and and take stock of what what have i got in my life that maybe i don't necessarily want here i'm also thinking about i i worked for a at a car dealership as a chaplain there for several years. And I was always mesmerized by the alignment rack that they would put a car yeah. on. And then they'd put these huge sensors on each one of the four wheels. And then, you know, the, the technician would start typing away at the computer. And so I'd ask hundreds of questions to the guys, like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? And hmm. these sensors, like, can can measure down to, like, a hundredth of a millimeter, and, and if it's off, like it causes damage to the axle and the tires and wow. so they've got it, get it just right. I never thought about how hard it is to get four wheels pointed in the right direction. And so there's this work that goes into getting them all straight. So that made me think about Lent in just terms of like, this is an opportunity to get my soul realigned with God. And, and all the various things I have going on in my life, what's out of sync, what's, what's out of tune, what's out of alignment with God and how do I, what are just those little things. Little small, uh, small adjustments I can make, but something I need to pull out and take out, mm. so that I can make more space for God. That's awesome. And,
0: and I, I asked this question, being guilty of this myself, um, as a church planter and a young mom. And I can't even tell you how many times I uh, reach the end of a week and I'm looking at the next one and I'm like, "How did my calendar get so full? And I, how did this even happen? It was me. I did it. Um, and and yeah, there have been so many times in this season where I'm just like i I think I need to take a step back from some things because this is just chaotic and and lent for me this season has been very convicting for me because I have I have been so guilty of filling my days from beginning to end with things and just stuffing it with activities and things and and I find myself in the midst of chaos that I kind of mm-hmm. created for myself and yeah, it it is so important for us to have these practices in place to to kind of measure when we start to get out of line, misaligned. It, it's so important. So, I I ask this question and I bring this up as someone who is actively trying to
1: learn how to do this. You speak for a lot of us, Mickey. You're, <laughs> a, you're a prophetess.
0: Well, you know, it's just it's kind of you sometimes it, it is easy to say, "Oh, it's just the season." Yeah. But if you don't begin to work toward not it being like this anymore. It will be an extended season and then it'll just be a reality forever. I've learned. So I, I've been deeply convicted of
1: fixing this. (laughs) So Markeen, since you lead a community, I'd like you to help us think about the communal aspects of Lent. And what I mean is for most of us, you know, it's obvious intuitive that Lent is personal, right? Like I gave up, such and such, or as you said, I took on um, such and such uh, act of generosity or outwardness. So there's a a part of Lent that's unavoidably personal and it's fine. But we also do it as a part of a community, right? In a community like yours or in a parish, or even if you just think of doing it within the whole great tradition across the globe, who's um, practicing Lent right now. So we do it in a community. Can you help us see a bit how you think a community facilitates deepens, hmm. makes more rich, the personal aspects of Lent?
2: Yeah, thanks. No, that's a great question. And I, and so true. There's those individual aspects of journeying through Lent that we're going to do on our own. It's going to look unique for every person. But there are also opportunities in it for us as a community to come together. Um, and just one of the simple ways that we're doing that this year is praying morning prayer and evening prayer. I wish that we okay. were at a place in our journey where we were physically coming together to pray morning and evening prayer. That's my heart's desire that we do get to yeah. that place, but we're scattered all over. Um, so what I've invited them to and encourage them to do is to pray morning prayer and evening prayer but with your family or with your coworkers or your next door neighbor or something that, that um, is making it a communal practice because it's meant to be a communal practice. And then we come together on uh, online once a week as a community so that we can do that together. But that's just one simple way that we can experience the season of Lent together, praying together. There's nothing like that. Ordering our days around those mm-hmm. times of corporate prayer hugely impacts our just our daily life, our daily yeah. experience of God.
1: So uh, you might have just said it there at the end, Markeen, but just in case, uh, say maybe a bit more. What's the good that you see in people doing these things together? Like, why is it better that they're praying with friends and family in your heart and mind?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's the way that we're... Um, that God has invited us to experience life with him. We learn from each other. We encourage each other. Um, that was one of the um, positives um, that came from our recent Lenten retreat. We have opportunities in that space that we've set aside together to listen to how um Each person has experienced God in their day of retreat. And it is such an encouraging thing just to hear that, just to hear the way that someone um, experienced God as they took a walk um, in the afternoon or as they meditated on the art or prayed through a sonnet that we offer them to contemplate. So we are so encouraged and strengthened by just journeying through those experiences together. And yeah. it really encouraged us to have that opportunity, just to share those things. It was, it was a good day with God, and it was even better as we got to share those things with one another that we were experiencing.
1: That's very cool, Peter. How about you? When yeah. you think of your community in Tulsa, how do you imagine that community enriching, augmenting the personal practices of
3: Lent? I think that in doing practices together, it uh, there's an encouragement when you do something with somebody else is that I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. And it's actually easier when I can do this with other people. Um, And I'm thinking too, about a a conversation I had with someone last week who was visiting the Abbey who confessed to me that they, they don't know if there's good people in the world because they haven't experienced them in church. And Lynn, I think is an, and doing practices together, I think kind of, helps encourage us to show other people that this can be done. And this is good news. Really. I can't do it by myself. And that, that's part, part of the point of Lent too, isn't it? That yeah we need God. Yeah. And not only do we need God, but we need our community supporting us and holding us up too.
0: Amen. So maybe a, a thought that Bishop Todd and I had was um, when we think of contemplation that usually suggests uh, quiet or stillness, how do you guys imagine a quieted heart being formed through these practices that we do during Lent, Peter, what are your thoughts
3: on that? I think it it starts with trusting that God is enough. Hmm. That it's not about doing more or adding more. Um, I tried to have a conversation with my 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 son last year was nine, and so and he's very much a rule follower, and so we tried to start a conversation, but like, what do you want to do for Lent? And, He's, oh, I could give up this, and I could give up this, and you can give up this, and give up this, and like he kind of went way mm-hmm. over. And I was like, eh, no, we're not going to do it this year, but let's have this conversation next year. I don't, we haven't brought it up this year, but it, it's easy to think, oh, Lent's here, I need to add something, um, or I need to try something new, or reinvent this, or like mm-hmm. it, it needs to be bigger and better than it was last year. Um, and and that doesn't always. It's not always the case. Sometimes it's just trusting that God is enough. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Markeen, what about you? What are your thoughts?
2: My mind goes back to the Lenten retreat because one of the things that I often see as people come here on retreat is I see a change over that period of time. Usually we are on retreat for about six hours. And what I notice is, um, there is a peacefulness and a stillness of heart that comes from listening, meditating on scripture, taking a walk out in nature, um, finding a breath prayer, um, all these little practices that we can do to connect with God. And I, it's a joy for me just to see that shift and change that happens over just a six-hour period of just opening ourselves to whatever it is that the Spirit has for us in the day.
1: Peter, I want to go back to what you said. I'm, I'm captivated by your, just that little lovely phrase that God is enough. And I'm wondering, how do you picture this? Do we quiet ourselves? And in that quiet space, we come to recognize God and that God is enough. Or is it that we somehow come to recognize God is enough, however we might, and that then leads to a quieted heart? Or is there some sort of cycle? I'm just wondering how that works. And as you're talking, I thought, of course, of Psalm 46, you know, be still, Mm -hmm. as Mickey was saying, stillness, quietness. Mm -hmm. Be still and know that I am God. So just in your experience as you work with Um, retreatants and people you direct and as a community leader, do you think it's more often that we quiet ourselves and notice that God is enough? Or do we somehow (laughs) notice God's enough and it leads to a quieted heart? How how do you see that unfolding?
3: Can
2: I
1: say
3: both and? Is that cheating?
2: Mm. Uh, It's perfect.
3: I'm captivated by Psalm 23. By by the first line that Yahweh is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. And then the closing line that Goodness and mercy follow me all all my days, and and that our English rendering of that last line is so like not. There's so much more there. Where it's it's toh hesed are the words used there. God's goodness, you know, what He names the world and creation, Um, and then hesed, His His covenant faithfulness. Right. It's not just that we're being followed by them, but we're being pursued. That Hebrew word is the word that's used for chariots in battle. Like, so we're being chased down by God's goodness and God's yeah. love and mm-hmm. what if our need to slow down our busy lives is that so we can be caught by those finally yeah, um, and be overtaken by them sometimes I yeah. wonder if that's our, our need and our posture in the contemplative life of why we need to slow mm-hmm. down so we can be caught by God's goodness and God's presence.
1: that's actually a beautiful uh, little picture yeah. there Mickey I can picture like Lent Slowing down so that God's chariots can catch up with me.
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: It doesn't take me much to uh, pitch something from Dallas Willard. So uh, hearing (laughs) Peter talk about Psalm 23, if you haven't saw Dallas's book, Life Without Lack, uh, you should see it because he'll take you line by line through just all the the beauty that, as Peter says, is in Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Mickey? Do you have a final thought or question?
0: No, everything that you both have said is, is so encouraging, and it really is. I think just so important for so many of us who live really busy lives, especially those who are clergy or who work in pastoral ministry, it can be really easy for us to neglect these practices. But I think taking advantage of the season of Lent is a great way to reset some of these things and some of the areas in which we've kind of let things slip through the cracks. And And Peter, I like what you were saying that sometimes it's not about adding on a ton of things, but rather being still before the Lord and trusting that he's enough. And both you and Marquina are very encouraging and seem to be super knowledgeable in these practices and the effect that you guys have seen. Uh, in other people's lives when they slow down and they start to live contemplative lives. So thank you both for for caring for people in this way. Maybe one last question for you both is, what are you doing for the season of Lent? What are some personal practices that you both um, have been uh, doing this season? So Marquine, let's start with you.
2: Yeah, I think for me, as I was praying before Lent, just about what would be most helpful for me, I decided that I had too many screens in my life. <laughs> mm. And so, and I've done a social media fast before. This was something different, I felt like, for this year. And so I just said, at least for me, after 7 p.m., I want to just turn off the screens. And mm. it's actually, it's been a good practice, and I hope it's something that'll stay with me longer because there's been yeah. more opportunity to read the stack of books on my nightstand, and <laughs> which mm, has been good. yeah. And, and yeah, so I'm already grateful for it. And um, as I say, I hope it's something that I'll I'll keep doing.
0: Yeah, no. And I think too, like not limiting it to just Lent, you know, if yeah. things work out well for you and your spiritual journey. I mean, yeah, keep it going. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Okay, Peter, what about you?
3: Well, um, to be so, honest, I took something up this year and I'll, okay. I'll put in a plug for the C4SO Diaspora Network, who is doing oh, a daily devotional... Yeah. Through a WhatsApp. Uh, yes, group. I'm a um, part of
0: that. Very cool.
3: Yeah, I, I I'm always looking for voices, and I'm especially enamored by Anglican voices that are that don't look like mine or sound like mine. Mm-hmm. So to hear, and I don't I don't speak Spanish. I took some Spanish in high school, and so I remember just tiny bits of it. But yeah. to, to hear people just enamored with the Scripture and the story of God. Um, and to hear their voices um, and know that they're part of, you know, my, my C4SO family is just mm. a really encouraging thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's an awesome project, Jonathan, uh, put together with the team. I'm very grateful for them.
1: Yeah. Well, Peter Markeen, uh, thank you very much for being with us today. You've given us a really yes. lovely vision, no, no matter where somebody might be in Lent this year. I just, I wrote down for myself, uh, this would just feel so lovely, a quieted, still, slow, lent and, uh, and what that could do for our souls. So thanks for that beautiful vision. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks
2: for having us.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the C4SO podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share this episode and subscribe and leave a review. It helps us to get the word out. Thanks.